Job chapter 6. Job is a story in the Bible about a man whom God had tested by sending Satan to destroy all of his property, his servants, and his children. And the point of the story is that Job retained his faith through the whole story and he kept his belief in God. A lot of people struggle with why would God send Satan to do this to Job? And there is a reason for it. It's because Job needed to know that his own hands couldn't save him, that he needed God to save him. He needed to know that only God could save him. And that's one of the themes in Job is God is asking him, who are you? What are you? To rely on God and not his own works. In this answer, he was just talking to Eliphaz the Temnite, who is one of the antagonists in Job. And they're having a dialogue and they're accusing Job of having committed some sort of sin to have all this misfortune happen to him. But Job answered and said, oh, that my grief were thoroughly weighed and my calamity laid in the balances together. For now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea therefore my words are swallowed up again that's a statement of grief if only his words were known and his worry is heavy his grief is heavy meaning only people knew the amount of grief he felt for the arrows of the almighty are within me the poison whereof drinketh up my spirit the terrors of god do set themselves in array against me and god sometimes will strike righteous people you can be a righteous man and god will sometimes just unload the cannon on you just to make you humbled not because you did anything wrong we have to understand in this world there is suffering there are righteous people who suffer and more often than not righteous people do suffer more than wicked people because we have a conscience and we can understand right from wrong and we often have questions and although job doesn't question his own righteousness that he had committed a sin he said i hadn't committed a sin although later on he'll say i'm suffering for the sins of my youth meaning even job starts to question maybe if this is a sin because the people are convincing him that he had sinned and that's why he's in his predicament but god does strike righteous people and the reason for that is to bring them through a trial and to make them more righteous and come out the other end stronger in the faith i often say that affliction is a tool to purify the righteous and destroy the wicked it'll make righteous people better people but it'll destroy wicked people doth the wild ass bray when he hath grass or loath the ox over his fodder can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt or is there any taste in the white of an egg and this is something that jesus actually refers to and jesus refers to this as like a christian who loses his salt is good for nothing and that's kind of what job is saying here the things that my soul refuses to touch are as my sorrowful meat his righteousness is the reason why he has sorrows oh that i might have my request and that god would grant me the thing that i long for and the thing that he longs for is to be healed and to have his prosperity back for us it could be whatever our deepest desires are once god brings us through the trial we're going to be fulfilled we're going to have prosperity meaning it could be in heaven some of us are going to find it on the earth even that it would please god to destroy me that he would let loose his hand and cut me off again this is the desire of job is to be cut off he wants to die so we can often get this way we can say to god god kill us let us die we are too mournful in our complaint don't let us continue any longer and that's the request that job longed for but also you can think of it in your own way you know like even this request is being denied from job what job really wants is any human being wants is to get through the trial but to think to yourself that you want god to kill you during a trial is not a bad thing like saying to god god i want to die that's what job's saying here it's not a sin to say that if god is afflicting you just don't commit suicide but it's okay to feel despair it's okay to feel deep deep grief and that's what this book is about then should i have comfort yea i would harden myself in sorrow let him not spare for i have not concealed the words of the holy one he's saying because i have been righteous take me to sheol god because i have not concealed the words of the holy one just take me to 
Sheol. My life is finished. Just no more. I don't need any more of this suffering. What is my strength that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? He's like, what is the end of my life? Like, there's nothing at the end of my life. It's okay to be hopeless. It's okay to feel deep grief. It's okay to not believe that good things are coming. It's okay. Because that's just the thing. Like, God is not testing you to see whether you're going to think things are going to come out rosy in the end. God is testing your faith to make sure that you are able to produce fruit and to understand that he is God and you are a man. It is him. It is he who saves, not us, not our hands. Our sacrifices do nothing. It is God who empowers us in our hands and the sacrifices of our lips and our raising of the hands. It is God who empowers it and not us. Is my life the strength of stones or is my flesh of brass? Is not my help in me and is wisdom driven fight from me? And he's saying, is there no help in me? Do I have no help in myself? Is my strength driven from me? Because it is. There's nothing he can do to get out of this situation. There's no, there's no fancy prayer he can pray. There's no magic bullet. There's nothing he can do to fix the problem he is in because God is the one who's contrived it for him. He is in this situation, not even of his own making. It's something that God has done to him in order to produce faith. To him that is afflicted, pity should be shewed from his friends, and he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. He's saying to those whom the Lord afflicts, right or wrong, they could be perfectly in the just that God destroys them. You must be pitiful to him. You must have pity. You must treat them well. Any person you see suffering, Job is teaching you to go out to that person and reach to them with compassion. Doesn't matter if they deserve it. Be compassionate towards them. Show them mercy. My brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook, as the stream of brooks they pass away, which are blackish by reason of the ice and wherein the snow is hid. So they're like black ice. These people are slippery. Tread on them and you can slip and fall and break your head. These people that he called to help him are not helping him. They're miserable counselors. What time they wax warm, they vanish. When it is hot, they are consumed out of their place. Like, even as soon as they start being a little warm to them, it vanishes. Like the minute they bring up any compassion or any sympathy, it vanishes. You must, when people are suffering, show them sympathy. It doesn't matter if they deserve it. Show it to them. The paths of their way are turned aside. They go to nothing and perish. He's talking about his counsel now. Their, their paths are slippery because they're not doing what they should. The troops of Tema looked. The companies of Sheba waited for them. They were confounded because they had hope and came hither and were ashamed. For now ye are nothing. Ye see my casting down and are afraid. So the reason why these people are picking on Job is because they're afraid of his suffering. They've never seen Job do anything wrong, so they think he's being afflicted for hidden sins. And Job is not being afflicted for hidden sins. And he's saying to them, you guys are like all these things, and you're afraid of my affliction. That's why you treat me so. Did I say bring unto me or give a reward for me of your substance? And Job is saying, did I ask anything from you? Did I ask you to help me financially? I just asked you for your friendship, for your consultation, or deliver me from the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of the mighty? He's saying, did I ask you to fight for me? Did I ask you to fight? I just asked you to sit here and be consolation. Teach me and I will hold my tongue and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. You have to remember the previous person was saying that he had erred in his speech. How forcible are right words, but what doth your arguing reproof? Like, he's like, why are you arguing with me? Why are you arguing with me over something that I hadn't done anything wrong? And even if I did, why would you sit here and make it worse by arguing with me? Do you imagine to reprove words and the speeches of one that is desperate, which are as wind? Why do you add to my afflictions? Why do you add to my sorrows by keeping on to me speech and heaping on to me words and trying
trying to reprove me. I know God is correcting me. Why do you have to add to the sorrows? Do you imagine to reprove words in the speech of them that are desperate, which are as wind? Yea, you overwhelm the fatherless and you dig a pit for your friend. He's saying you overwhelm me and you're digging a pit with your words. He's, they're making him suicidal. You know, they're making him feel really ashamed and really bad. And he's like, he's under this deep affliction. And remember, when people are under affliction, I don't care if they're transgender. I don't care if they're homosexual. I don't care if they're an adulterer or a serial killer. And trust me, I've met people who were like that in certain places. And it's like, you have to be comforting to them. If they're under the affliction of God, it means that that's the time that they can repent. That's the time that they could possibly be changed. You have to take the opportunity to use compassion and use your comforting words in order to minister to people, which is something that Christians don't do. It doesn't mean that we need to accept their sin either. But Job, in this case, hadn't sinned. So these people are heaping on blame on him. We can't pretend to know what someone had done that makes them deserve the circumstances that they're under. We have to instead be impartial and not judge and look at them and say, we will comfort you because it might help you get through this. Now, therefore, be content. Look upon me, for it is evident unto you if I lie. Return, I pray you. Let it not be iniquity. Yet return again. My righteousness is in it. Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? He's saying, cannot I understand right from wrong? Cannot I understand it? And this is like the double whammy. Job is a righteous man. He's like, can I not understand right from wrong? Why are you afflicting me with your words? Why are you turning on me and making me feel like a bad person when God is the one who's created this situation in my life and God is the one who can bring me out of it? All I want is a little comfort. And even his counsels are giving him no comfort, which, and that's a sin that's on the counsel's fault, which they later get reproved saying that you shouldn't have done this to Job. And that's the point of the book is when people are suffering, you have to be a wise counsel and counsel them and comfort them. You don't have to give them advice. You don't have to ask them where have you gone wrong. You just have to sit there and this culture used to sit and be silent with the person and not say a word. Then that grief would dissipate because the people would be in company and there'd be no words spoken, which is sometimes the best thing.